Welcome to First United Methodist Church's worship service. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org to learn about in-person worship times at both locations. Worship will begin shortly. We are glad that you are with us. Of Brighton and Whitmore Lake. My name is Reverend John Reynolds, and it's so great to have you with us in worship. If this is your first Sunday with us, we're so glad to have you with us. And if you have been worshiping with us forever, we're glad to have you here as well. This is a church that's tri- striving to help people know God, love God, and serve God. And we're also striving to help the Tigers increase a six-game win streak. Amen? That was pretty fun. That was a great way to celebrate the 4th of July. So we are excited to be here this Sunday morning. We are in the midst of a sermon series about the parish that Jesus taught, and we're sort of extending this sermon series to to dive deeply into all of the teachings of Jesus, those wonderful stories that he told the disciples and others who had gathered to listen to Jesus teach and preach, and we're continuing that sermon series this morning, so I encourage you to, to be a part of that sermon series, and maybe you know somebody in your life that might be interested in learning more about the teachings of Jesus. We encourage you to extend an invitation to them to come to church, and this morning, we are so excited. We're going to be doing a special baptism for Stella, and so we're excited to celebrate that, and we'll also be serving communion at the end of the service, and we are grateful to be able to gather in the presence of the Lord this morning. We're, we're also thankful to have Bill Kinney leading us in music this morning. Susan's away on vacation, so we pray for her uh, safe travels and rejuvenation, and are grateful for Bill's gifts as he shares them with us this morning, and I want to take a moment to invite you to fill out that connection card that hopefully you were given on the way in, and, and I I just keep hearing comments and, and feedback about how thankful people are to have the bulletins. Amen. I, I, we announced that a couple weeks ago. There was a round of applause, and I'm like, man, if I had only known that that's what it takes to get a round of applause. But I also want to let folks know who are worshiping with us online that you can find all that information on our website. So if you're interested in learning more about the activities of the church, you can always go online. The full church calendar is on our webpage, and we encourage you to visit that as well. If you haven't had a chance, there's a yellow prayer card in the pew back in front of you. And if you'd like to take a moment to take that out, fill it out. If there's somebody we can be praying for, uh, perhaps it's a colleague, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, anybody, we would be honored and humbled to have an opportunity to pray alongside you for either yourself or somebody that you might care about. If you'd like to take one of those and fill it out later on in the service when the offering plates go by, we encourage you to just put the connection card and the prayer card, if you'd like, into that offering plate, and that would be a wonderful gift for us to be able to pray alongside you. With that, I want to encourage you to please stand as you're able and join us in singing our opening hymn this day.
Good morning. Welcome to service on this beautiful Sunday. Let us lift up our hearts and voices as we join in the opening prayer. Lord Jesus, we look to you. Show us how you would have us live and how you would have us love. Help us to be filled with compassion for others as you were. Lift us up to be leaders for you. Amen. Please be seated. This time I want to invite the Skinner family forward as we uh, get to participate in this special and sacred moment in the life of the church. I had a chance to visit with Stella, who's going to be baptized this morning, and her wonderful family, and and, uh, just have a chance to talk about what this moment is all about. Stella, we're so excited about this moment and, and the opportunity we all have to welcome you into the body of Christ here at this church. So, and it's good. It's good to have you guys back here. This is the church that you were married in and a church that that you get to celebrate this wonderful moment for your daughter. And so we celebrate with this family with these words of grace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without a price. I present this day for baptism Stella Michelle Skinner, the daughter of Danielle and Ben Skinner. And so I'm going to ask you these questions, and we talked about these questions the other day, Stella, and you said you're ready to share, that you are ready to be baptized, and so I ask you these questions on behalf of this whole church and all of your friends and family. On behalf of this church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Amen. Do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Amen. And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord and Savior in union with the church that Christ opened to all people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do. Amen. And then I ask your parents, will you do all in your power to nurture Stella in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself? If so, say, we will. Amen. And then this question is for everybody in the church, in case you guys thought you were off the hook for a moment. I've got this question. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If so, say, we do. Amen. And will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and include Stella now before you in your care? If so, say, we will. And I hope you get to hear that, Stella, that this church family, a church family that supported Stella when she was going to school here in the First Steps Preschool, a church family that that helped you learn your ABCs and your numbers is still here for you even in this time as you become a member of this wonderful church. And so I invite you all to join in this baptismal covenant, which is now on the screen before us. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround Stella with a community of love and forgiveness that she may grow in her service to others. Amen. 
we will pray for her that she may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. Amen. Let us join together in proclaiming the Christian faith that is given to us in the scriptures. Let us join our voices together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. At this time, I'm going to offer a prayer over this water. I invite you to join me now in a time of prayer. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Eternal God, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water, and after the flood, you set the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea, and your children that you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Amen. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb, and he was baptized by John and anointed by your Holy Spirit. He called the disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection, to make disciples of all nations. Amen. And we ask God's presence to pour out your Holy Spirit, to bless this gift of water and on Stella who will receive it, to wash away her sin and to clothe her with righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, that she may share in Christ's final victory. Amen. Amen. And so, Stella, I invite you to come forward, and if your sponsors and parents want to just put their hands on your shoulder, they can come forward as well if your sister wants to put her hand on your shoulder. And so these waters are a gift from God, a reminder of just exactly how much God loves you. And I just want to say that there is nothing that you can ever do in your entire life that will undo what we're about to do in this moment. No mistake that you ever make. God will always love you, and this is a reminder of that. And so we say, Stella, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit work within you that you may be born by water in the Spirit, and that you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, let us join together and welcome Stella into this body of Christ as a brand new follower and disciple of Jesus. Amen. And so I invite you to join with us in some words on the screen. They begin with, through baptism. Here we go. Let us share in these words. Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus. With joy and thanksgiving, 
we welcome you as a member of the family of Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, let us once again welcome Stella into the body of Christ. Thank you for letting us be a part of this day. This morning's scripture reading is from Luke, chapter 7, verse 36, through chapter 8, verse 3. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. 
Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in a time of prayer? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words in my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be measured and found acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and the one who calls us to show mercy to everyone. Amen. Well, Pastor Lindsay and I were so grateful to be able to get away for this last week. We had a chance to go back to Nebraska, and in the midst of that, we got to meet a whole bunch of people. We've been to a couple of birthday parties for kids, our kids' friends, and, and we've just been meeting people, it feels like, a lot recently. And, uh, you know, oftentimes in our American culture, we oftentimes begin the conversation by ex- exchanging these pleasantries, right? Like, hi, I'm John. Oh, I'm Sally. And we kind of talk back and forth momentarily. And, and then after that, oftentimes it trans- transitions into like small talk, which so those of you who are getting to know me, like I'm not exactly a gifted person when it comes to small talk. I like talking about things that matter, things that have importance. And I'm like, let's cut to the chase. You know, let's deal with world events. And people are like, whoa, who is this guy? But, you know, oftentimes they're like, oh, the weather's really nice. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's nice. And, and then sometimes we transition to this conversation about, well, what is it that you do for a living? Or what did you do for a living? Or what is it, you know, what is it you're passionate about? Whatever it, the case may be. And, and oftentimes, Lindsay and I get into this awkward place, you know? We like, we're like, well, <clears throat> we're pastors. You know, we don't actually say it like that, but we oftentimes brace ourselves for the myriad of reactions that may come as a result of saying that we're pastors. Now, some people, they hear that we're pastors, and they immediately say, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for saying what I said earlier, and they're, like, ashamed of something that they've said earlier. Or maybe somebody issued a couple of swear words in, earlier on in the conversation or whatever, and they're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. And we're like, I, 
actually am not really worked up about that. And, and then some people, they, they don't talk to us at all. They're like, actually, I have no background in the church. I don't really want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. If you're going to try to evangelize me, I don't have any. And I'm like, nope, really wasn't trying to do that. We're just having a backyard barbecue. Our kids are going down your water slide. Nice to meet you. Other people are like, that's so great. You're in the ministry. I'm so-and-so. And they tell you their whole spiritual autobiography from the time they were baptized all the way up through their entire life experience. All of these things are wonderful. This particular story that we read today deals with one of the ancient beliefs that was held very tightly for people long, long, long time in our spiritual ancestors' history. In that time, it was the belief, and we still hold on to parts of this today, that there are some things that exist in the world that are spiritual, that are holy, that are beautiful, that are uh, sort of untouchable in the world. Some of us might imagine certain holy places scattered throughout the world that you're like, if I were to go there, I would probably remove my shoes from my feet because God's presence is there. Maybe you imagine if you were to walk into the temple in Jerusalem, maybe you would feel a sense of holiness, that you felt like you were standing on holy ground. But in other places, perhaps just down the street in, in the city of Detroit, where, where you, you might walk into a casino or something like that, and you're like, this is a very unholy place. Perhaps you think that, maybe not. And so we, we have this separation, this dichotomy between holy places, perhaps even holy people. Maybe you imagine that we are standing in front of a pastor or a holy, you know, person. You're like, oh, I'm going to clean up my act. I'm not going to use profanity. I'm not going to say some of the things. I'm going to sort of filter myself. And Jesus, in this particular story, is challenged on this very concept that there are certain people in certain places that are holy, and then there are other people who are unclean. And that's really what they were dealing with in the ancient world. There was this belief that if you did all the right spiritual things, if you did all the right spiritual practices, you became spiritually clean. If you offered the right sacrifices, if you went to temple, if you were a part of all of the religious stuff, then you became clean, and then it became your job to stay away from everything that was considered unclean. But the problem with that is, sometimes the things that were unclean included groups of people. And, and if you can imagine, this particular woman in this story, it doesn't necessarily say what she did in the scriptures. It just says that she was a sinner. And not only that she was a sinner, but everybody at the party that Jesus went to was like, how is Jesus sitting with this woman who is a sinner? So it's clear that like, her mugshot has been in the town paper. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody knows this woman's business. There's been stories told about her. You don't want to associate with her because she is unclean. And I just want to ask the question, is there anybody in the modern world that we treat like this? And sometimes it happens when you're sitting inside a high school and all of a sudden over the loudspeakers goes, Jonathan Reynolds, the principal, would like to see you in the office. And literally, like, everyone in the classroom scoots their chair over a little bit, right? And, like, doesn't want to be associated with you. And they all look at you. And then as soon as you walk out of the room, there's like, that moment of shame when you feel your face flush and you get that pit in your stomach and you're like, everybody's talking about me. Everybody's judging me. And you might go from being the coolest kid in the classroom to suddenly the chairs scoot to the side and it's literally like the lights in the rest of the room go down and there's a spotlight shining on your head and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. And that's how this woman was feeling, right? 
There was this shame, there was this guilt of her being a sinner, and nobody in the religious community wanted to have anything to do with her because in the ancient world, and I would argue there are ways that we still do this to people in the modern world, people sort of draw back when they know that you've done something that isn't societally acceptable. At times, this happens with folks who become pregnant as teenagers. We sort of ostracize, we sort of take a step back, and we're like, oh, what did you do? What, what fault might you have? And at times, we do that with folks who are struggling with mental illness, and we're sort of like, oh, I don't want to get too close with that. Maybe it's contagious in some way, shape, or form, and I take a step back. Maybe it's somebody who's struggling with some form of addiction, and you're like, if I get too close to this person who's an alcoholic, I might be tempted to stumble and fall myself. Maybe I'll fall into their trap. If I spend too much time with people who make mistakes and do bad things, then maybe I'll become like them. And and I'm here to tell you that what I find beautiful about Jesus Christ is I actually think that Jesus literally pulls up a chair next to the kid who's sitting in the principal's office and wraps his arms around them and says, even now, in your moment of greatest guilt and shame, even now as you're sitting there wondering whether or not God has abandoned you, even now as you're sitting there going, is my life going to end in this exact moment? Jesus says, I love you. And not only that, But if you are willing to follow me, if you're willing to to take out your perfume out of the alabaster jar, if you're willing to, to simply allow me to, my grace to be sufficient for you, then your sins are forgiven. I remember once I took Joshua, our son, to the Detroit Zoo, and we were walking around the Detroit Zoo, and the Detroit Zoo is beautiful because there's so much diversity there, and I love going to the zoo for the animals. It's a great place to walk, and at this time, Joshua was like two and a half, and I just, it's one of my greatest memories of my son. I mean, he's a wanderer. He just like, as soon as he sees an animal, he just starts walking or whatever, and he goes off, and I sort of have aerial surveillance at this point, mildly checked out as a parent, but knowing where my kid is at any given in time and so he just walks over to where the camels are at and he notices this woman who's walking by herself and she's got a full you know hijab on and she's uh, you know I'm, I'm assuming probably muslim and she's walking by herself through the zoo and my son joshua just because it's who he was because he was raised in a church where literally everybody comes up and says hi to our kids he just walked up to this woman and stuck his finger up into her hands and she took hold of his finger and just started walking And I was just right behind him, and she looked at me like, is this okay? And I'm like, I didn't tell him to do it. I didn't tell him not to do it. Just go for it. And tears just started streaming down her face. And she said to me, you know, nobody, nobody comes up to touch me. It's amazing how sometimes that little act of physical touch, when it's done well, when it's done in a good way, can be so restorative to people who might feel otherwise invisible, ignored, or cast aside in our society. I want to ask a couple of questions of you. You know, if you imagine in our world today, I think there are still some folks that we sort of hold in this ritualistically unclean category, folks that we'd rather have at a distance to us, folks that we're like, I don't want to get too close to that. I don't want to be associated with that. I don't want my name to be tarnished. If people see us walking around town together, then the party line will be activated and the gossip wheel will be turning, and I don't want to be associated with them 
so I'm going to hang out over here. And I just want to ask if maybe this story reminds us that we should be walking with these folks. If you've ever seen somebody who's ashamed of something that they've done in their life. Maybe there's a family member in your family that sort of shows up to family reunions and doesn't say much, and their shoulders are sort of hunched over, and their, their eyes are down, and they don't make eye contact with a whole bunch of people, and not too many people talk to them, and they don't talk to anybody else. I wonder what would happen if somebody walked over to them and, and just forgave them. I've seen it happen before where folks are treated with dignity and respect. I've seen it when I worked down at Cass Community Social Services in Detroit. There were folks who were homeless who walked into the place and they're like, I'm so sorry, I never thought I would be homeless like this. I just need help. I don't have anywhere else to go. I've been sleeping under a bridge and their eyes are down and their shoulders are hunched. And just with a simple word of welcome home, we'll take care of all of the needs that you have. It's amazing to me what happens to folks' shoulders and eyes and faces when you treat people with a very baseline level of dignity and respect, how healing and restorative as it can be. My second question to you is this. Do you at all relate to Simon? Are you the person in this story that, that gets together with your friends and you're like, thank God my life's not like these people, right? Like, I'm so grateful that I live in Brighton, which is this beautiful community, this wonderful town. We have a wonderful downtown. We were walking through downtown Brighton and we saw the wonderful festival that took place yesterday. And we're like, what a wonderful place to live. But if you're one of these folks that's like, thank God I don't live somewhere else, then I would argue that in some ways we've got some work to do because we're sort of like Simon in this story. If we look down upon and say, I don't want to be associated with them, I am ritualistically pure. I have lived a sinless life. I am a Pharisee by gum. I'm a religious leader. And we don't bother to spend time with folks who need grace. I would argue in this story, Jesus is saying that we are going about our lives all wrong. And then I would argue, and this is my last question, are you like this woman? And most of us don't like to admit this sort of thing, right? Some of us are like that one thing that I did that nobody else knows about. I want to go to the grave with it. I'm never telling anybody. I'm holding on to it for the rest of my life. I don't want to talk about it. I'm locking it under lock and key. It's in my heart. It's between me and God. And most of us carry around some sort of shame like that. And the story is perfect, right? It says that, that there's one person with a 50 denarii debt, and there's another person with a $500 denarii debt. It doesn't really matter. Neither of them can pay it. And the person doing the forgiving says, all of your debt is forgiven. And, and I just want to allow you this week at some point to wrestle with this. Whatever your thing is, the thing that you wish you hadn't done, the thing that maybe you're still doing that you're still kind of ashamed of, the thing that maybe you sort of sweep into the, uh, you know, underneath the rug or you put it inside a closet and you sort of like close the door and you're like, I'm never going to talk about that. Well, what would it feel like if you encountered Jesus and Jesus said to you that shame is gone? Oh, what kind of response would that elicit in you? Would you break the alabaster jar out of your closet and come 
laying at Jesus' feet, wiping his feet with your hair and with your tears, thanking God that you had been set free from the very thing that you hoped that nobody would ever find out about you? Or would you be sort of like the Pharisee, like, Jesus, teach me your ways about forgiveness. Let us talk at a very academic and intellectual level about what it means. Do you have authority to forgive sin? I would argue that this woman who, whose sins were forgiven, who is set free, models for us exactly how we might worship God. In an act of gratitude, in an act of adoration, let us pull everything that we have from our resources to say, thank you, Jesus, for giving me the gift of new life. Because whatever it is, and this morning we did a baptism for an eight-year-old, which was awesome, and, and, and Stella had grown up in our church. She had gone to First Steps Preschool, and her parents had gotten married at our church, and we baptized her this morning. And, and while we were meeting, I said to her, because she's eight, right? She wasn't a baby, and so I was able to talk with her about what baptism means to me. And I said, Stella, I want you to know this. There's not a single thing that you could do in the entire world, not one, ever, that you could do that would separate you from the love of God that you have in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is accept it. That's it. And that's a pretty crazy statement because there's lots of terrible things that people do in the world and there's so much shame and we're really good at printing people's mugshots in the front page of the newspaper and all of us sort of read it and we're like, oh, thank God I'm not that guy. But Jesus, I think, in this story says... We should all be looking up that guy's information. And we should all be reaching out and saying, you know, there are consequences, right, for what you've done. There's accountability and all of that, but I believe that God still loves you even when you are in your darkest moment of shame. And that's what that story, the parable, is all about to me. This woman that everybody knew was a sinner. Everybody knew her dirty laundry. And everybody, every time she walked in the room, talked about her and said, thank God I'm not like you. And Jesus walked with her into the banquet. A thanks be to God for a God that's willing to meet us even in our moments of deepest and darkest shame. I know I've been there. I don't know if anybody else has been there. But when I see God restoring people to wholeness and their shoulders being lifted again high and the arch in their back coming straight and their, the, their face lighting up again with the gift of love and joy that God gave them in the beginning of their life when they drew their first breath, uh, thanks be to God for a God that puts people's broken lives back together. The end of this passage that we read said this, that the 12 followed Jesus from town after town into all these different places. And it also says, and I love this, because most of the European paintings that are done of Jesus and his ministry, it's Jesus and the 12. But the reality is there were a whole bunch of women and men whose lives had been transformed by Jesus's radical grace. And it says in the end of this scripture that there were a bunch of women, including you know Mary Magdalene, who is there. Her life was transformed because demons were exercised out of her life. And there was... Thusa, Shusa, and, and the uh, manager of Herod's household, and Susanna, and many others, Joanna, who were all a part of Jesus's ministry, who were all following him because they had all been forgiven. They had all been transformed. Their lives had been set free. And I think that's Christ's 
invitation to all of us to allow us to be free from this shame that we might be able to follow Jesus into the darkest places of our world, proclaiming the good news to people who are addicted, who are homeless, who are hopeless, who are struggling because they've just had a terrible divorce that's been public and their names have been printed in the paper. And I believe that God came into the world not only for people like you and I, but also for people like this woman who needed to hear some good news. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you so much, Bill. Good morning. I'm Suzanne Everett, and we're going to share some time together in prayer. And as we pray together, 
we want to hold up the name of Vicki Dutcher. We have a prayer quilt for her this morning, and after the service, you'll be invited to tie a knot and say a prayer and sign the card for Vicki. Let's pray. Holy and living God, we sit and wonder at the awesomeness of your creation. We consider all your works and are amazed at the interconnectedness of nature, how each animal and plant has a role and a reason. Sometimes we sit and wonder what our role in your world is meant to be. Open our eyes to the needs around us. Open our hearts to the people and planet around us. Open our minds to help us to understand the equal worth of all your creatures and how to help ensure their liberty is valued. From the smallest ant struggling under the weight of their next meal to the human beings of all shapes, sizes, genders, races, origins, and orientations. Your love is freedom, and your love is fair. Free us to do your work and follow your will in this world. We pray this day for healing and freedom from suffering. Our hearts are full of the names of friends and family members who are in the hospital, who are mourning the loss of loved ones, who face diagnoses, who battle physical, mental, and emotional challenges. Thank you for your love and care for these folks. Remind them and remind us that you are our hope and strength in times of trials. Our Creator God, sometimes I find it difficult to ask for prayers for myself. Perhaps others do too. So help me to humble myself and pour out my confessions. Make, my, make right my relationship with you and fortify me with your mercy so that I may walk with you in the days ahead. Show me the path that you would have me take and how I may be of service toward justice and mercy in your world. Let us not take your forgiveness for granted. In this time of silence, let each of us pour out to God a measure of our thanks, our confessions, and the longings of our hearts. In this moment, we pray. May this prayer time be a blessing to each one here and online, and may it be the beginning of our communion with God this week. As we prayed collectively and individually, now let us join our voices together to pray the prayer Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for leading us in prayer this day. As we gather here at God's table, I always imagine in heaven this beautiful long table that Jesus presided over and and welcomes us to this heavenly banquet, this feast. And I always imagine that that someday when we're all there and we're gathered around with the people that that we've missed, that we've said goodbye to and so long to, that that every once in a while we're going to look up across that great table and we're going to see somebody and we're going to think like, how did you get here, you know? And there's probably going to be somebody else sitting at the table that looks up and makes eye contact with us and says, how did you get here, you know? And that's the scandal of grace. At 2,000 years ago, if you remember when Jesus was presiding over the table for the first time, they were actually having a fight. The disciples were arguing over who the greatest disciple was. They were fighting over who was most worthy. They were fighting over who was going to betray them, uh, Jesus. And, and Jesus, in the midst of all of that pandemonium, took a loaf of bread and he lifted it up and he said, This is my body which has been broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me as often as you can. And then when the supper had ended, he took a cup and he lifted it and he said, this is my blood, which has been poured out for you. Take it and drink it as often as you can. This is my love poured out for you. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. And so we gather around this table And we give thanks for the presence of God in our lives, for all the ways in which God comes and saves us and transforms us through the grace of the Son, Jesus Christ. We say, come Holy Spirit, transform these elements into something extraordinary. Make them be for us the body of Christ and his blood shed for us so that we might be for the whole world the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And perhaps equally importantly, God, transform us and make us instruments of your peace. Allow us to sow love where there is hatred, forgiveness where there is resentment, hope where there is despair, and allow us to be your hands and feet in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John Wesley, in the beginning of the United Methodist Church, insisted that this table be open to everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a member of this or any other church. In the United Methodist Church, we practice what's called an open table, which means that it's not Pastor John's table, it's not the First United Methodist Church of Brighton and Whitmore Lakes table, it's God's table, and that means everybody is welcome at it. And so all has been made ready. Would you please come and feast at God's heavenly banquet? Amen.
may the gifts that we receive this day be a reminder of God's offering for us, an incredible gift of grace and forgiveness and mercy. May this strengthen and nourish you in your journey of faith. Amen. So there are so many ways that we can respond to the goodness of God in our midst, and one of them is through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. In a moment, the ushers will be making their way through the sanctuary to help us as we receive uh, this morning's offering. If this is your first Sunday with us, we want you to know that your presence is a gift here among us, and, and just that in and of itself is a huge blessing. If this is your spiritual home, we invite you to give generously so that the ministries of our church can continue to thrive and flourish. I just got a note in my, uh, in my mailbox coming back from vacation. It's one of the best kind of notes you can get, but there were a handful of us that went to the CAS annual dinner, a mission that we support here at our church. And, uh, and Reverend Faith Fowler, a United Methodist pastor who runs that organization in Detroit, sent a letter to those of us who attended the annual dinner, and, and, and they were so excited because uh, one of our folks, uh, Mark Wood, who passed away a little while back, donated a car that uh, they sold at auction, and they raised uh, $15,500 for Cast Tiny Homes, and we were so excited to, to be able to share that that was part of $244,000 that was raised to help fo- ho- uh, homeless and formerly homeless folks in the city of Detroit. And and we were a part of that blessing here at this church. Together with that vehicle donation, an additional $25,000 gift was given to our friends down in the city of Detroit. And we're grateful to be able to partner with United Methodist Churches all around the world doing mission and ministry that transforms people's lives in Jesus' name. So know that as you give this morning, your gifts help sustain the incredible, extravagant generosity of United Methodists all around the world. Would the ushers please come forward and help us with this morning's offering. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to give from our heart, like the woman who anointed Jesus. Guide us to give you the best parts of ourselves to your service. Accept the offerings we bring today and use them to further the mission and ministries of this Christian community of faith. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you so much, Bill, for leading us in song as we close our worship service this day. I just want to share with you a couple of announcements. Next Saturday, Pastor Lindsay, myself, our kids, and some other folks from the church will be walking in a community-wide race that starts at Brighton High School. If you'd like to join us, we're just, uh, we're going to see each other because we're going to be wearing, I mean, like, how could you not miss this Smurf blue t-shirt? We'll be walking over at the high school. If you're interested in walking in the Fun to Life race, we encourage you to do that. Wear your blue t-shirts. We'll be walking together to raise money for the Samaritan Counseling Center here in town. We're excited about it. We can't wait to do that. We've raised, uh, you know, over $5,700 for the Samaritan Counseling Center so far this year, and we're hoping that this race will put us over the top, help us raise $10,000 to help folks in need in our community. Secondly, uh, Vacation Bible School is coming up. It's just around the corner. Hard to believe August is not so far away, but we are going to be uh, celebrating Vacation Bible School August 1st through third. If you're interested in volunteering, we encourage you to let Pastor Allison know. She uh, would, would take all the help that she could get. So if you're interested in helping teach kids the, the stories of our faith, we encourage you to sign up to be a part of that. And finally, I want to let you know that this Friday at 11 a.m., we'll be celebrating the life of one of our saints among us, Luis Dufresne. We'll have a service right here in the sanctuary at 11 o'clock. You're invited uh, by Luis's family to attend if you're able to join us to help us celebrate her life. There's a luncheon afterwards that you are welcome to attend as well. As you go out into the world, I pray that you will go out with the posture and the energy of Jesus Christ, literally looking for people who are so down on their luck, whose lives are so covered in shame that that just a word of forgiveness, a word of grace, a word of peace, a word of mercy could transform their life and set them free from the chains that they feel bound by. And I pray that as we go out into the world, we would not have the energy of Simon looking over our shoulders saying, at least my life isn't as bad as that person. How would anybody ever want to associate with them? Instead, I believe God calls us to go out into the world and find women like the one in the parable we read today. May it be so for all of us. May we go out into the world with the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go loving and serving the Lord. Amen.
We are so glad you worshiped with us. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. You are invited into this mission by worshiping, joining one or more small groups, sharing prayer requests, and becoming part of the community. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org for details about in-person worship at both of our two locations. We hope you were blessed by this worship. Please click the like button, subscribe to our channel, share this video, and join us again next week.